Hi, I'm Stuart and welcome to our podcast, The More You Know. Our podcast will be looking into how the manufacture of semiconductors interacts with our everyday life. Welcome back to the podcast, The More You Know, and I am more than pleased to welcome back an old friend and guest to our regular listeners, Dr. Chris Jones. Welcome, Chris. Hello, Stuart. And today we're going to be talking about capturing CO2. I rather hope we'll be talking a little bit more than about capture. Well, please explain. I haven't even asked the first question yet, but please explain. Not much point in capturing it if we then release it straight away. Now, there's a major lead into where we're going to go on today's environmental journey. I am a bit flummoxed by it all, and I've heard some great stories since we last talked about capturing CO2. What is capturing CO2? So, we obviously have a problem with greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. And uh, about 75% of the contribution of those greenhouse gases comes from carbon dioxide. Uh, there are other gases as well, methane, nitrous oxide, uh, some fluorocarbons. But let's stick with uh, carbon dioxide for the time being. Uh, there are... Uh, there's a Can I just stop cycle. you there? Are, yes. you are we talking about carbon dioxide? Yes. Or carbon dioxide equivalent? No, we're talking about carbon dioxide. Oh, Okay, so the uh, so there are natural sinks for uh, natural cycles and sinks for carbon dioxide. Uh, it enters the atmosphere and it leaves the atmosphere via various routes. Um, but clearly, we as a society are producing a substantial amount of greenhouse gases above and beyond the natural cycle, and therefore the quantity of these gases is building up in the atmosphere, and it's resulting in a degree of global warming. So uh, the idea of carbon capture is to start removing some of that carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So is this where the term carbon capture and storage comes from? Uh, carbon capture will be where you're removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and carbon capture and storage is where you put it into some long-term state such that it doesn't re-enter the atmosphere. So I've got carbon capture. I've got carbon capture and storage. Oh, here we go again. It's like it's, nothing's easy. Carbon capture, utilisation and storage. What's that then? You use the carbon dioxide for some other... Uh, some other purpose, you turn it into something else. You could turn it into methanol, you can turn it into uh, acetic acid, you can turn it into polymers. Um, uh, that's the usage side of things. I'm going to be a bit controversial here. Does it really help against global warming? It is all part of the mix. There are various things that need to be done. Uh, if you uh, imagine yourself as a, a country, uh, and you're looking to reduce your emissions to hit net zero by 2050 on a one and a half degree C pathway, then you have to uh, start considering the rate at which you remove the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Now, in that sense, you would probably be talking about carbon dioxide equivalents, uh, but part of the activity is to uh, prevent carbon dioxide from an industrial process entering, and another activity would be to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere itself. But it's only part of the mix. So let's stick to carbon capture and mm -hmm. storage. How does it work? Do you want the usage and storage or just the storage? 
Uh, you tell me. Well, let's go with the storage. Uh, so, And then you've got to find some way of tying that carbon dioxide up. The last thing you really want to do is to capture the carbon dioxide uh, and then burn it back into carbon dioxide because it's a bit of a, a waste of a waste of the capturing process but uh, so in some way you need to capture it and then to store it in some way over over an extended period uh, preferably over at least several hundred years so how do you capture it though because obviously co2 is not just going to be the co2 let's put it it must be mixed with other stuff Uh, yeah absolutely depends on where you're capturing it from Uh, so if you're let's let's imagine I've got a a power station. Mm -hmm. My power station's burning natural gas. Uh, The natural gas burns to carbon dioxide, uh, a little bit of methane, a little bit of nitrous oxide, but mainly carbon dioxide in air. And uh, you pass that carbon dioxide through some form of uh, separation process, and that pulls the carbon dioxide out. There are a range of different separation processes. So if you're doing this at a factory, though, let's say you're doing it at a factory or you're doing it at, say, a steelworks or some industrial process, you've separated it. Do you just stick it in a hole next to the factory? Or what do you do with it once you've, you've separated it? The, uh, the steelworks one's rather an interesting example because clearly part of, the, uh, part of the generation of carbon dioxide from steel is uh, the use of coke, um, and then oxygen, but if you could use other energy, other reducing agents such as hydrogen uh, to perform the same purpose as the carbon, then you're eliminating the carbon dioxide. If you're still generating carbon dioxide as part of the steel manufacturing process, then uh, there, let's say there are various physical chemical methods of taking that carbon dioxide out of the waste gases. Uh, and then uh, you need to, ideally, you probably want to a minimum is compress it. Uh, in some places, they will liquefy it and uh, transport it to some form of final destination, which could be, un- could be underground, would be a, a classic storage mechanism. Uh, pump it into uh, pump it into gas reservoirs, depleted gas reservoirs, depleted coal reservoirs. Is that safe? Um, Is it safe? Is carbon? It, it, what do you mean by safe? Well, you're talking about um, sticking it into um, rock formations. Mm-hmm. Um, um, is, is it safe to do it? Um, still, little confused by what you mean by safe. Do you mean permanent? Um, I, I suppose um, is the technology safe? You know, you, you've you've got a hole in the ground simple layman's terms, and you're going to stick CO2 in there, is, I'm just thinking of my soda stream, okay? Soda stream, if I overpump it, it goes everywhere. I'm talking about safe CO2 if we stick it into the ground. We already do it. Think about it. We uh, pump pump various uh, things underground in order to get natural gas and oil out. Uh, So the... Uh, the rock formations are impervious. That's why the gas is there in the first place. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's safe. I think folks know what they're doing. But, and it's already done, so. Well, that, that's interesting. Where, how long have we been doing it for and, and, and where has it been used the, already? The, the storage so, and the capture or just the capture? Um, both, then. The capture. Where's the capture, capture done? The capture's been going on for a long, long time. Mm. The One of the main... Where was the first facility? Oh, don't know. Actually, oh. I'm cheating because I know where it is. Cause but you the funny thing is you don't. Yes, I do. It's got written down here. It said it was in 1972 in the United States yeah. where several natural gas plants, and I quote, in Texas have captured and stored more than 200 million tonnes of CO2 underground. 
There you go. Even I, not a scientist, has just... But... Is this why you don't say you're a doctor? No, it's because you look into things a little bit more detailed. The One of the <laughs> primary reasons... That's a scientific insult for the, people that was, yes. There. One of the primary reasons, uh, one of the primary goal uh, usage, usages, one of the primary usages of carbon capture is what's called sweetening of gas. A what? Sweetening of gas. Sweetening. Sweetening of natural gas. So you remove CO2 from natural gas. Mm -hmm. You really don't want to be pumping CO2 uh, to my uh, central heating or my cooker hob or even for industrial heating because it's a bit of a, a waste of uh, a, a gas because it's largely inert under those circumstances. Um, so, but in the days of coal gas, that's what they used to do all the time. And coal gas well predates your 1970s. So sweetening of sweetening of coal gas was done a long, long time ago. Was it ever stored? I have no idea. I'd be surprised. Probably be discharged. Where do we do any storage at the moment now? Uh, uh, it, as I said, in uh, geological formations, it's usually there are various methods to move things around. And uh, if it's in the southern United States, it's probably to an oil field, oil or gas field. Um, you can send it by pipe, you can send it by ship, or you can send mm. it by uh, truck. Uh, and in that in that order, it gets more and more expensive. But what? the the pipeline's usually pressurized. The ship is usually liquefied, and the uh, truck is usually liquefied. So, yeah. so as you know, before we do any of these podcasts, I go out with my big team of researchers and um, we look at these things mm -hmm. and um, a lot of the terminology for the environmental stuff just troubles me because I don't understand a lot of the terms and hence of the podcast. So carbon sequestration, What one question, have I said it right? And two, what is it? Uh, well, uh, sequestration, yes, uh, that's fine. That's a uh, fair enough pronunciation. To sequester is... That was almost a compliment, Chris. Um, uh, I do give compliments where they're due. The, uh, the sequest <laughs> sequestration... A sequestration is essentially capturing and keeping hold of. Um, so um, trees sequester carbon dioxide. Yeah. Um, so you could imagine one route would be to... Uh, is it the same as carbon capture then? Uh, in some respects it is. Oh God, here we go again. It's like the... It's always um, in some respects. So so why don't we just call it carbon capture rather than carbon sequestration? Because it's uh, with carbon capture, you've got to, uh, you've got to differentiate between it being held onto for a while. You can capture carbon... And then you can release it. You could capture carbon dioxide, stick it into um, stick it into carbonated beverages, and rather quickly it comes back into the atmosphere. Well, that's sort of it's still carbon capture. It's sort of sequestration, but it's certainly not long term. So, if you've got a tree, you said that does carbon sequestration. If you've got two trees, that would do more. But I take it we can't plant trees everywhere. So, how, well, how no, other no, way you, could you could? Well, you could, but the. But what other ways apart from a tree on carbon sequestration then? Um, it, so the sequestration route is taking things out of the atmosphere. Uh, sorry, the tree route is taking things out of the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And the sequestration is usually putting it into a different form. So in other words, it's not storing it as carbon dioxide. It's storing it as uh, cellulose, etc. in the tree. If you wanted to uh, capture... Uh, capture from a stack. You use various chemicals, basic chemicals such as amines. Mm. You use uh, solids absorbers you, uh, such as metal organic frameworks. You use alkaline solutions such as potassium hydroxide. Um, and 
there are, you can use membranes for separation. You can use cryogenics for separation from the air. So you end up with that's your separation. They route. sound all they sound really technical. Yes. I liked I liked your aspect. Or not when I mean technical, technical, and it just sounds difficult. I like the idea of reforestation or rewilding or the or but going back to the trees part and you said yeah we could plant more trees but we could plant more trees but surely that would lose your agricultural stuff, so the ability a, to grow food for a growing population uh, but there is absolutely a balance uh, you can obviously grow trees in places where you don't necessarily grow food uh, but I completely agree uh, it's a it's a balance so is that uh, why we're looking at the technology to to supplement that as well because you have to find that as part of the balance it's all part of the mix so in my research I'm going to test you now because I don't know what it actually means. What's geological carbon sequestration? Exactly what we've already described. You stick ha, it, you excellent. You so stick I'm smart it, already then. So we stick it down into some sort of geological structure and you're looking for some reaction, preferably some reaction with the, uh, the rocks uh, underground uh, such that the carbon dioxide is tied up or sequestered. Ah, um, but you can stick it down a coal mine to get... Uh, methane out and then use the methane with carbon capture to derive energy. You, you can stick it into uh, depleted oil reserves to get the last bit of oil out. You can stick it into um, gas reserves to get the last bit of gas out. You can so, stick it in soda streams though. Oh, you could stick it in soda streams, but it comes straight back quite quickly. Ah, right, okay. Don't forget there are natural, uh, natural uh, carbon sinks as well. Biological sequestration, what's that? Well, uh, trees, we've already given one example. You, oh. could, use, you could use algae, you could use uh, seagrass. Uh, could you, you use could, bogs? Uh, you can use bogs, you can use um, uh, peat bogs, uh, you can use all sorts of things. And in fact, the nice thing about a peat bog is the length of time it's tied up tends to be quite, quite long. And remember, this is all about putting it somewhere where it stays. Is that why the oceans play such a big part looking after them as well? Oceans are oceans are a store. Uh, the pH, unfortunately, drops as the carbon dioxide is absorbed by the oceans and uh, any creature with a calcium carbonate exoskeleton will suddenly find its exoskeleton getting rather fragile. So in simple terms, basically, we don't want to turn the ocean into one big acid because it's not very good for the fishes. Uh, well, the it's, uh, it's actually not very good for uh, creatures much lower down the food chain. And then, of course, uh, they they affect the they affect the fishes as the you move up through the as you move up through the food chain. But there's an interesting observation that we've got a bit of a, a mismatch in um, the amount of CO2 absorbed um, uh, in the various models, and it looks as though it's uh, uh, the model has been missing out at the removal of co natural removal of co2 into deep ocean uh, a deep ocean uh, water rather than just the surface waters so chris i was recently listening to a podcast and um they were talking about air carbon capture um, somewhere up in iceland or something yeah there's a swiss company doing direct air capture uh, they are obviously taking nice low carbon energy from iceland uh, uh, extracting the CO2 from the atmosphere and pushing it into geological structures where it's reacting to tie up, sequester uh, the CO2. But it doesn't have to be, just be in Iceland. It can be in any area where there's a, a good source of 
uh, low carbon electricity. Like so, renewables. So, so uh, yes, uh, like renewables, it doesn't have to be just renewables, but uh, so an example would be a desert uh, where you may be able to get a good supply of uh, solar energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, in a desert, then you're not really competing with uh, an area which would otherwise be used to grow food. Let's stick with the trees for a second. Um, because you mentioned direct air capture, Uh, that would be a route. So convert the trees into something where the carbon dioxide is tied up. Now, one of the routes is to, oh, bad pun, one of the routes is to take uh, the the wood and then put it into building materials that will be around for a few hundred years. The last thing you really want to do is to burn it for energy because you've, okay, you've got the energy back, but you've just put the carbon dioxide back in. Another thing that they are investigating is the essentially the pulping of uh, the biomass and then pumping that biomass down into uh, oil wells. And if you sort of stop and think about it, the sources of natural gas and oil historically have been the presence of uh, such uh, such structures underground that then got pressurised and turned into oil and gas. It's quite a nice circular hmm. argument. What, what about the more technological ones rather than the, the natural environmental ones? Okay, so if we look at technological aspects of uh, direct air capture, DAC, the air is passed over either a solid absorber or the air is passed through uh, a liquid extraction system. Let's go with the liquid scrubber first. An example would be potassium hydroxide. Potassium hydroxide is alkaline. It absorbs the CO2, converts it to potassium carbonate. That solution then gets contacted with calcium hydroxide, uh, forms calcium carbonate. And then after a bit of separation, you uh, heat the calcium carbonate and the calcium carbonate releases CO2, and it's that CO2 in a nice concentrated form. So we've taken it from a few hundred ppm up to 80, 90, 99% CO2. Um, and the CO2 is then sent off to some geological structure or or used as a chemical source. It's, that um, sounds quite power intensive though, isn't it? Can be. Uh, is that the challenge with, uh, with the technology so at the moment? You're looking at something like... So what is it? Uh, three to no, it's somewhere between six and ten uh, megajoules per ton of CO two. So it is rather power intensive at the moment, and that does tend to push things through uh, because clearly, if it's rather power intensive, then the last thing you really want to use is power that hasn't come from a low carbon source, mm. or else you're you're just making things worse. But it's. It's at the very early start of that technology. It does seem uh, it it's is. still a very good technology to think about, as you were saying at the beginning, a good balance. Uh, the, 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 uh, I think currently it sits at about $600, uh, $600 per tonne of CO2. Uh, the, all the companies know that ultimately they need to end up preferably less than $100. Uh, they obviously need to reduce the amount of energy that uh, is involved in the process. Uh, and uh, and it does lend itself. In fact, it's not so much lend itself. It does absolutely need a low-carbon energy source uh, or else you generate more carbon dioxide taking the carbon dioxide out. The other form of DAC is a solid absorbent. You pass the uh, air over this solid absorbent uh, and then you can heat it and put it under vacuum to, again, generate carbon dioxide. 
I'm going to bring it kind of closer to home for us. We are in the semiconductor industry and um, we do help enable the manufacturer of microchips, um, semiconductors. How does carbon capture fit in with our industry? How could it relate to us in the semiconductor industry and the manufacturing of microchips? Uh, so the uh, semiconductor industry uses a vast amount of electricity. Uh, it's a global industry. Uh, the availability of low carbon uh, electricity is not uh, it's not globally distributed evenly uh, so there'll be some countries where chips are manufactured uh, taiwan korea would be prime examples uh, where the availability of low carbon sources for the electricity is going to be delayed and so part of the uh, part of the mix of energy sources would be to use uh, natural gas for example or e or even coal and uh, put uh, put carbon capture on the electricity generating methods mm. if you want to remove the co2 using these direct air using the physical direct air methods that you've described then uh, you obviously want to be using uh, a rather clean uh, source of electricity. How does that tie in with the carbon capture? So uh, you want to remove carbon dioxide with direct air capture, mm -hmm. uh, actually with any methodology really. Um, but any of your methodologies is going to, any of your carbon separation technologies is going to cost you energy. Mm -hmm. If that energy costs you carbon dioxide, then you want it to be as little carbon dioxide as possible, else you're just putting carbon dioxide into the atmosphere to remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, which seems uh, a bit of a waste of time. What would you see as the main challenges of this becoming a key part of uh, our infrastructure? Uh, re remember, we've got two different, we've got two different approaches. Uh, one's the direct air capture and the important point to remember is that you're talking about 400 ppm. Um, then you've got the uh, capture from other sources, uh, mm -hmm. so your stacks, uh, your um, from the stacks generating your electricity, etc. And those, depending on how you're doing things, uh, could we you could be looking at anywhere between about 10 and about 80 percent carbon dioxide that needs to be separated and of course the lower the concentration usually the bigger the capital and energy hit associated with the uh, separation process so so it's quite uh, energy intensive uh, but the energy depends on the concentration of the co2 that you're trying to separate so but the cost often increases as you try to push that concentration up so it's, it's a, there's an interesting balancing game uh, between um, generating CO2 that's easily captured cost effectively so the big challenge is going to be cost uh, the, the, the problem with trying to give numbers is that everything's changing so rapidly but you can sort of imagine that the price of electricity may have to double that double if you end up with substantial carbon capture um, and I'm getting troubled now Chris right I'm getting yes. really troubled about this because I think the technology sounds great I think even your explanation on how we could stick it down empty holes created by oil and gas and all these things and let's forget about you know the, the kind of concerns that come along for that now, what I don't see you talked about somewhere in between there the transportation of it I don't see any transportation infrastructure. And this, and maybe you could answer a question on there. 
It might be short, it might be longer. And the second one is scientists say it's safe, but why is the public perception it isn't safe? I've not heard the public perception saying it's unsafe. I think a lot of people don't like, if I said now we're going to be next to where you live, we're going to start storing the gas, the CO2 concentration into, let's say, a hole near your house, people start to get a bit nervous or a coal mine. Somerset is one big empty coal mine. Um, how would people start to feel? That's where opposition starts to come up. Where do you feel an opposition to public opinion? But... That would be true for any industrial process. Uh, even if I if I was putting any substantial industrial activity uh, in what would ostensibly may ostensibly be uh, a, a green area, uh, then there will be opposition. Uh, do we've obviously heard of fracking, uh, mm -hmm. and fracking causes substantial concerns, uh, but we're not talking about fracking here we're talking right. about existing uh, existing practices i think things, that's a good point things, to make things isn't it? that are things that are already done mm. uh, so uh, these are practices uh, that already occur there will need to be some convincing that the storage route is permanent mm. um, but then this is sort of what we already do in the oil and gas industry should i trust the oil and gas industry there needs to be uh, there needs to be some work done uh, on mm. ensuring that uh, whatever information is put out is uh, put out by uh, folks who uh, don't necessarily have a vested interest. I keep coming back to this term of um, we've got our responsibility for the environmental aspect of it. We've got business responsibility, but there's also a place from that government. We keep coming back to the individual business and government all working together in collaboration. Is that a fair point? Uh, yes. Uh, businesses are unlikely to do things uh, uh, through altruistic uh, purposes only. Um, so how does this get funded? Um, is there a carrot and stick approach with uh, emissions trading schemes and with uh, carbon taxes or transborder taxes? Uh, it, again, it's all part of the mix. Um, governments will off, uh, have to facilitate uh, facilitate these activities. It's cheaper to pipe uh, carbon dioxide uh, than it is to ship, than it is to truck, and uh, yeah, there are uh, even 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 in your native Scotland, uh, Peterhead Power Station is in the throes of either has signed or will sign a, a contract with one of the Norwegian gas companies to take its CO two and put it underground in. Uh, uh, gas and oil structures in the North Sea. Chris, we're coming to the end of our podcast, but from my point of view, and hopefully the audience, I, I see a lot of technological advancement. And de despite all the other challenges, it does seem to me that carbon capture and storage it remains one of the quite a promising tool for our fight against combating climate change. Do you agree? There are two ways of uh, approaching the problem of global warming one of which is mitigation. In other words, you implement some way of uh, preventing global warming mm -hmm. uh, by removing CO2, by removing nitrous, by, uh, by introducing energy policies that uh, uh, generate low carbon electricity. 
Uh, and the other approach is through adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, you protect uh, you protect vulnerable areas with uh, structures. You uh, facilitate uh, the movement of people as uh, the challenges associated with where they live um, uh, gradually uh, become more severe, um, and uh, some of those overlap. Now, uh, clearly, there are opinions um, that the mitigation is going to cost us a lot of money and there are opinions that the adaptation is going to cost us a lot of money. And the political argument is usually around one of which one's, which one's yeah. the most. And uh, some parties uh, will say uh, that the mitigation is a lot cheaper than the adaptation. And in reality, both are going to be needed. So the I don't... Th- think it's um uh, if you look at the un um uh, sustainability uh sdgs what does it stand for sustainability development goals the un sustainability development goals they're broad ranging but at the heart of it it's social fairness Uh, in other words let's not let's not make people uh, let's not make people poorer uh, a lot of people poorer by these actions and keep a few people keep a few people richer. I think it would be ill-advised with any of these discussions to omit the fact that there's a cost hit and it needs just simply needs to be done fairly. Yep. Yep. That's all. So with carbon capture and storage, what would be your three takeaways from today then? Uh, it's part of the mix. Um, we're miles behind uh, by 2030. When you say we're miles behind, who's miles behind? Uh, as a society, we're miles mm-hmm. behind. Uh, by 2030, uh, there was a prediction by the uh, International Energy Agency that they would like to see something like uh, 800 million tonnes of carbon capture uh, capacity by 2030. And we might be lucky to hit about 200. So uh, a lot more effort there. On the direct air capture, it's currently energetically and cost-wise um, incredibly expensive. Um, the physical the physical methodology and as you mentioned the uh, the bio options uh, the tree options at least will uh, uh, interfere with has has the potential to interfere with the production of food and as the population grows we all know about the challenges associated with that um, the sea routes uh, there's still substantial debates over. Uh, the viability and then the final point I think that's really important is all of these need to be understood and judged on a on a firm life cycle analysis basis Um, and where the those particular methodologies have come on a long way in the last 20-30 years but there's still some route there so measurement methods uh, actual uh, technologies and how, how to reduce the costs associated in a safe way uh, which uh, you brought up uh, all need to be um, all need to be furthered or progressed so chris chris um you know, thanks for today. Um, another uh, a learning for me um, and hopefully for the audience, uh, another step along our environmental journey. Um, thank you very much for coming in. It's always a pleasure, Stuart, and uh, let's look forward to the next one. And by the way, can I just say I'm from the southwest of England. Now, I'm a 
southwest. So you're yes. not really Scottish. I'm. I'm is, Scottish. Is that a mock Scottish? Uh, I'm a, a cider heritage now. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh dear. Ruined that. But thanks. Thanks again, Chris. That's a, another source of um, another source of CO2. Of course, is fermentation. But we better not talk about that. For another day. Thank you, Dr. Jones. <laughs>